to you in our community. So uh, if you need anything, please don't leave uh, before you get whatever you need, prayer or whatever. And, and uh, we have in our bulletin, there is a, a connection card. And that's a, a way for us to get to know you. We I would love to send you a thank you card. So we would love to know more, more about your family. So if you'd fill that out and put it in the wooden box in the foyer, that would be great. And of course, uh, if any of our members or anyone for that matter needs prayer, you can write it on that connection card and put it in the offering box and we will have people praying for you uh, this week. And uh, isn't this weather beautiful? <coughs> yeah, this weather is beautiful. I'll never forget when I joined the military and they, they sent me to Monterey, California for my duty station. And, uh, you know, we get there, we get to the dorms, and there's no air conditioners in the dorms. And I'm like, this is going to be a long couple years, you know. And uh, little did I know, it would get down to 58 to 62 every night and get up to 82 to 85 all day. That is the most beautiful weather I've ever been a part of, the rock-covered cliffs and all that. Only one problem with Monterey, California. you got to make a whole lot of money to live there. Amen. I mean, goodness gracious, you gotta, I mean, you got to make a lot of money to live there. So we just drove around in our little pickup truck and just pretended, you know? You ever pretend? Uh, but, but the weather is good, okay? I'll put it that way. Well, we're, we're, we're talking about, we've been talking several weeks about miracle moments in the life of Jesus. And uh, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they record 35 supernatural miracles that Jesus performed in the lives of people uh, on the earth and while he was, you know, ministering for three years. And I think we can learn a whole lot from these miracles. There's a lot of principles and insights that we can learn in our lives. And, and uh, if you need a miracle, sometimes it, it's good to read about the miracles and see what you're doing. Uh, the very first week, many, several weeks ago, I talked about preparing for a miracle. And there are certainly things that we can do to prepare ourselves, uh, you know, to receive miracles. And someone says, well, can't you just luckily stumble on a miracle? You can. You can, but there's also things you can do to release miracles in your life. I firmly uh, believe that. John 20, verse 30 through 31 says, Jesus performed uh, many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. In other words, besides the 35 we have recorded, uh, there's many more. Uh, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life into his, uh, life in his name. And so, you know, one of the great things about miracles, and we've been having testimonies every week of some of our members who've received miracles, is, you know, miracles testify that God is still all-powerful. And that, that's, just, that's just the bottom line. But the whole, the whole reason, you know, miracles also sometimes help people who have a hard time believing to believe. Have any of you had a hard time believing in something? Maybe not just Christianity, but you had a hard time believing, but when you saw that it worked, it's hard to argue with, right? And, and so a, a very powerful thing. Um, several miracle insights, just let me start off with this real quick before we get into our miracle today. And the first thing is that simple, real simple, that God is still in the miracle business. Uh, he, he still, he's still in the miracle of business, John 14, 12, uh, Jesus said, because I'm going to the Father and he's going to send the Holy Spirit, you can do greater things than these. And, and uh, you know, greater things. And Jesus was raising the dead and opening blind eyes and healing leprous skin. And a lot of people are confused on that. So how are we going to do better things than that? Jesus took it up here, you know. But I think one of the things is, is that Jesus... When he was on earth in his earthly body, he was limited by time and space. Now with the Holy Spirit, so we can have miracles at family life. They can have miracles in, in, in Humble, Texas. They can be having miracles and, and God's power working in Nepal and India and China, different parts of Asians, Asia. So it, it's just the multiplication factor is, is quantity, greater, greater things. And this morning, I'm going to talk about a little different miracle. I've tried to talk about a different kind of miracle. Every week we talked about physical miracles. We talked about emotional miracles. We've done all kinds. And today I'm going to talk about the miracle of multiplication. And here's what I want you to know. We always pray for more. Sometimes you don't need more. You just need God to multiply what you have. Can I, can I get an Amen. I mean, think about it. We're always praying for more. 
We're, we're guilty of that. God, just give us more. Sometimes we just need to pray, God, multiply what I have. Make what I have enough. And that's a tremendous miracle when you don't get more, but you make it through. You have enough. You have some, you have some left over. And in uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 13 through 21, let's read it real quick, then we'll talk about it. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, and he healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. In other words, what are the disciples saying? I don't want to take responsibility for these people. You ever try to shoo people away so you don't want to take responsibility? You're lying to me this morning. I, I want some honesty here this morning. Yeah, many times we try to get out of responsibility, you know, and they're trying to get out of it. Send them away, Lord. Send them away. We have enough issues. And Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Again, Jesus is putting the responsibility on them. He says, we only have, we only, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. And the number who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Now, you know why there were 12 basketfuls left over, don't you? We do know that. He, he made those, each disciple carry a basket. Carry, you carry it. It wasn't enough. You just go ahead and carry that. You know, you carry it till we, till we get rid of it. But think, think about this. Well, what an incredible miracle moment in the life of Jesus. Whenever you read about the life of Jesus and you're reading the Bible, do you ever imagine what it would be like to be there? I mean, you know, can you imagine, you know, uh, everything's going well. It's a great day. You're here in Jesus. It's, it's just impressive. You haven't heard someone speak like this. You haven't, you've never seen somebody perform miracles like this. And, and uh, you know, you're not even worried. You're not even thinking about dinner, but it's provided. And, you know, I mean, just it's an amazing thing to think about. Again, there's a lot of paradoxes in the Bible. A paradox this is why we have a hard time believing and trusting God. A paradox is something that in the natural, it doesn't appear to be correct. But in reality, in the spiritual realm, it, it, you know, it takes place. So Jesus has uh, five loaves and two bread, uh, two fish, five loaves of bread and two fish. And he starts breaking them. So if you have something and you break it up, it gets smaller. And they start putting them into baskets. But he just keeps breaking. It just keeps breaking like the loaf is not going down, you know. And he uh, just keeps breaking. And, and, and just there's a spirit of multiplication there. And so let's talk about this miracle just for a minute. It says Jesus is trying to go away to a quiet place uh, to get away from the crowds following him. And it said in the beginning of our text that after this, what had happened is John the Baptist had just been beheaded by Herod. And Jesus wanted to get out of the spotlight. He wanted to get away. He didn't want to draw attention to himself because he knew it wasn't yet his time uh, to fulfill his destiny. And he's just trying to get out of the spotlight. But, but wildfire is spreading about him because of the things that are happening. And many times Jesus tells people, don't tell them that I healed you. And they just couldn't stop. They went out and told people, and it just spread like wildfire. So they're coming across the Sea of Galilee. And those of you that went to Israel with us, and we're going again next May if anyone still wants to go, we go to the place and we sit on the hillside. Uh, there's actually a church, the Church of the Multiplication, where the, where the loaves and the fish were, were multiplied. But he's crossing the Sea of Galilee, and he's going to a remote, it says remote solitary place, but people see him. And before he can even arrive where he's going, there's crowds of people. There's, there's thousands of people that are just, just uh, enthused. It's a frenzy of activity. Have you ever tried to go somewhere quiet and it turned out to be a frenzy of activity? Yeah. 
you know, when our, when our kids were, were growing up, Tracy and I, sometimes we would decide what we'd do on a Friday evening by what our kids were doing. Oh, we're all going out. Oh, we have the evening to ourselves. But when we have three kids and we, have, we had a, a policy of, hey, you can bring anyone want to your house. And sometimes it was supposed to be Tracy and I, but it ends up being seven or eight high school students, you know, which is okay. It's just not what I was expecting. That's a frenzy of activity, you know. That's a frenzy of activity. And the story tells us there are 5,000 men. But again, uh, in these days, they were getting married. You know, 14, 15 years old was not uncommon. And so uh, when it says there were 5,000 men, that would be 5,000 married men. So their wives are with them, that's 10,000. Uh, if they had one child each, that would be uh, 15,000. If they had two, that'd be 20. So a massive, a massive crowd. And, uh, you know, something very interesting about this story is that these people just came with no supplies. They just came with no supplies. Have any of you ever been so excited that you acted spontaneously and you just went and did something and you weren't prepared for it? Yeah, three of you. Yeah, yeah. Some of you are like, oh, no, that's not my personality. I am a melancholy. I pack everything. I pack everything. Well, yeah, I mean, so, sometimes we do. But normally, if we're going away for hours, we pack stuff, right? If you're going to the beach, you just don't say, oh, God will provide. You know, maybe someone will leave an umbrella for us, you know. Or, you know, we can pray that the seawater turns into fresh water. No, you, you, you bring some supplies. But you have to understand the story that, you know, Jesus is coming. And several people say, hey, Jesus is coming. And just a frenzy of activity. They're not, this is an incredible thing. They're not worried about lunch. They're not worried about the NFL game. They're not worried. They just want Jesus. They just want Jesus. And it's just, I mean, just a frenzy of activity, people People coming, they stay all afternoon, they're captivated by his presence, and they just don't seem to care about what they don't have. They just want to get what Jesus uh, has, has to offer. And again, our kids are grown now. You know what I, I'm just going to be honest with you, I'm going to be transparent here. When our kids were really small, I hated to travel. I hated to travel, you know? And here's the why. I mean, if you go somewhere, you got to bring diaper bags and clothes and food and, and swings. Dear Jesus, why do we need a swing? I'll throw them up, you know? I mean, all this stuff. And Trace would bring all the, she'd put all this stuff in there. And I'm like, man, we don't have any money. We have a little bitty car. How are we going to get that in the car? And she's like, you can do it. If you can't do it, I can't. Oh, come on, man. Come on. That's not nice, you know. I am going to admit she's a much better packer than I am. And that would make me even more mad because I knew that she could do it, and I was trying not to do it, you know. I was like, man, it was just, just amazing. But it's all that work, all that work just to, to get there, you know. And then, like, you hope, you know, you're going to the family's house, you, just, you hope you have a good time, you know. You hope people are in good moods. You hope there's no drama, you know. You hope because you want to stay for a while because if you don't, you got to load it all back in and leave, right? You don't want to do that. I mean, that's not fun. That's not good for, for anybody. And so, any, anyway, so th th think about this. Um, we, this is funny. Whenever we were, Trace and I were young and... We had some really good friends, and they had kids our, the same age as our kids. And uh, so when we, we would go trade turn, take turns going to each other's home, and when, we, when you came, we went to their house, they came to our house, we stayed for several hours. And, and so when they would come to our house, you know, I just like I would notice they wouldn't bring a diaper bag. You know, and if their child needed diaper change, they just went in our room, they used our powder, they used our rash cream, they used our diapers, and like, we didn't have any money. So I'm counting. That is three diapers already. That's three diapers already. This is ridiculous, you know? I'm trying to hurry them out the door, but serve dessert first, you know? Got to get them out. I mean, like those diapers, when you don't have money, those diapers have to last, right? So then it's our turn to go to, our, to their house. And Tracy's packing all this stuff. I'm like, what are you doing? We are going to get even today. And she's like, we're not going to do that to them. Well, they did it to us, and they're our friends. 
So obviously they want us to reciprocate and do that to them, right? Man, it's crazy, okay? But think, think about this. So, uh, you know, one of the things we know is because these families showed up without any supplies, food, whatever, we know for sure that the men were in charge. But I think even more than that, there was just, again, I think it was the excitement of the moment. It was the excitement of the moment. And, you know, I, I think, think about it, church. Sometimes we don't realize what we have. You know, like today there's, there's several billion people who can't go to church. There's several billion people that don't have what we have. And, and, and we should be excited to come to God's house. We should be excited to fellowship with people. We should just be excited to see what God's going to do in somebody's life. And these, these people came. So the first principle we're going to talk about today is that this is very critical for a miracle. The crowd realized that only Jesus could fill their deepest need. That's why they came. It's why they came with nothing. It's why they set out on a pasture on a hillside all afternoon listening to Jesus. They realized, man, we have tried everything that we know to do, but we hear this Jesus is a miracle worker. We hear that this Jesus is delivering supernatural wisdom, guidance, revelation, hope, faith, and we, we are in desperate need of this. And I find it interesting, whenever we're trying to solve a problem, this is human nature. I do it sometimes, you do it sometimes. When we're trying to solve a problem, many times we try everything we can and Jesus is the last resort. Have you been there before? And, and you know, I think this is where they were. It wasn't every day that Jesus was there. You hear rumors about Jesus. You hear rumors of things. And, and you're suffering in life and you're dealing with sickness or illness or whatever. And all of a sudden Jesus is here. And it's like, man, we got to have to do anything we can to get to Jesus. And so it was, you know, there, there, was, there was just this supernatural. They, need, they needed supernatural in, intervention in their lives. They needed miracles. They didn't need any more. They didn't need any more human help. They needed supernatural miracles. And Jesus delivered. Jesus came and he, he delivered. I want you to think about all of the needs in this room here this morning. There's a lot of needs here this morning. I know sometimes people come to church and they may be smiling and putting on a good face, but there's some hurt there. They need something. Everyone, everyone in this room, everyone is in need of, of something. But think about this. There's some of you in here this morning that, are, that you're battling discouragement and depression. It's real. Depression, discouragement, suicidal thoughts. And here's how human nature tries to solve that. The thought goes something like this. If my life can just get on track, if my, I can get a better job, if I can get better friends, if I can find a better church, if I can just make more money, if I can find the right person to marry, my depression will go away. That's faulty thinking, but I talk to people all the time that are suffering from discouragement and depression, and they're trying to reason in their mind how they can fix it. You know what I think? I think Jesus is a better solution because he can bring peace and joy in spite of your circumstances. See, what Jesus says is, it's okay if your job isn't the best. I can, make, I can make you happy there. I can make you a blessing to others there. It's okay if you're having some relational issues. I can use you to bring Jesus into that relationship. You know, uh, it, there's so many different things. If you're, if you're facing a relational crisis, the thought goes something like this in the human mind. If, if we can just go to counseling, if my spouse would just make a few changes, everything would be different. You know, I think Jesus is a better solution because he can change you on the inside so you're not dependent upon someone else changing. There's a bunch of ways to attack every problem, but I assure you, if Jesus changes you, it's enough. You don't have to depend upon someone else's mood. You don't have to. Listen, we're not dependent upon the global economy. We're not dependent. We're, God is our provision, you know, and, and we have to bring Jesus in our situation. But when we're trying to solve a problem that's unsolvable in the natural realm, 
I know people who are depressed who have more money than they could spend, who have a beautiful family. So things can't solve depression, right? It's about having Jesus uh, to, to be so full in your life. And then, of course, maybe you're battling a health issue, and the human thought goes something like this. If I, I just need to find the right doctor. I just need to find the right medication, and everything will improve. Again, I think Jesus is a better solution because he can bring immediate healing into our lives. He can bring immediate healing, comfort into our lives. And so when you come to a place where you realize that Jesus is the solution, you'll do everything possible to find him. You'll do everything. Sometimes I, I talk to people and like, oh, I'm desperate for Jesus. I, I don't know. Desperate people do funny things. You're not getting off the couch. I mean, desperate people, when you know if I get there, let me ask you a question, whatever your problem is. If I told you, if you get to this one place, your problem will be solved. You would do anything you could to get there. We have the solution in our midst. We have, Jesus is here. The Holy Spirit is here. We have the solution in, in, in our midst. And the answer is, are you desperate? Do you, do you need that solution? Do you want the solution? Well, look, we talked about this. We talked about Jesus when he came. This is what verse 14 says. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed all of their sick. So their desperation of leaving whatever they're doing to, came, to come to Jesus was rewarded. They realized, man, Jesus is the one that can help us. And it said Jesus had compassion on them. Are you thankful that Jesus is compassionate toward us? He's not worried about all of our mistakes. He's just worried about where, where, we're, where we are and where we're going. And, and, and so anyway, their faith, their determination uh, was rewarded because Jesus healed all who were sick. He just, it, it turned into be a miracle service. So the, that's the first part about our, our miracle this morning is that they realized that human effort wouldn't help. Human knowledge wouldn't help. There was, they weren't looking for a human answer. They realized that Jesus was the only one that could really solve their deepest needs. And I just want to tell you something, you know, G, we, were, we were created in the image of God. And if we need to heal something deep within us, it comes from him. It, com it comes from him. Okay, number two, uh, this, is, this is important. Be thankful for what you have. Be thankful for what you have. Is it possible to become so fixated on what you currently need or what, what you want in the future that you forget about what you have today? I need a better amen than that. Is it possible to be so consumed about what you don't have and what you want in the future that you, you, you're not thankful for what you have today. We have a lot, to be, a lot to be thankful. The spirit of thankfulness releases miracles in our lives. And, you know, so, sometimes, you know, people, people think that they have to have the right attitude to be thankful. You know, when you start being thankful, it changes your attitude. Being thankful changes changes your disposition. So don't think, oh, I have to get to this certain level before I can be thankful. Just begin to be thankful for. Go home today and just start listing all the things you're thankful for. God, thank you that I, that I, have, I, bre I have breath, God, and I have a family, and I have a job, and I have freedom, and I have kids, and I have a car, and I have food. I mean, the list is, it's a long, it's a long list. So the, the, uh, look what Jesus says in verse 19. Jesus, it says, taking the five loaves, the loaves and the fish, he looked to heaven and he thanked God. So the multiplication, the miracle of multiplication took place after Jesus gave thanks. The disciples weren't thankful for what they had. It's just a little bitty loaves and fish. We got a lot of people here, you know. And, and G Jesus says, no, but we're going to be thankful for what we do have because God is fixing to make. Our Father is fixing to make what doesn't look like enough to be enough. It's an incredible miracle. See, many of you don't have enough in here today. You don't have enough. You can pray for more. You can also say, God, help me be a good steward of what I have, and I pray that you just multiply what I have. The miracle of multiplication, it's an, it's an incredible miracle. Do you know it takes more faith to pray for God to multiply something than it does just to pray for more? That's why we pray for more, because it takes less faith. 
But it's amazing when you don't have enough in the natural. You know, and we've all been guilty of this. Remember Moses when God says, you know, the people of Israel, these three million people he brought out of Egypt, and, and they're complaining, oh, we want meat. All we eat is this manna every day, this manna from heaven. We want meat. And God's like, look, I'm so tired of hearing them. They're going to eat quail. They're not going to eat it for one day. They're not going to eat it for a week. They're going to eat it for 30 days. They're going to eat it until it comes out of their nostrils. I mean, that's a, a definitive statement from God. And what did Moses say? Lord, if we caught all the fish in the sea, would it be enough for these people? You see, well, what did God say? You're fixing to see whether the arm of God is short. You're fixing to see. And, and, and so, so think about this. Um, it's too easy to pray for what you don't have or what you want or to have more. Start saying, God, this is, these are the finances that I have. Make it be enough. This is the time I have. Make it be enough. God, this is the energy that I have. Multiply my energy. God, I'm in a relationship and I don't feel love for this person. I have a little bit of love. Multiply my love for them. Multiply my determination to do better. God can multiply what we have so we don't have to worry if it's not enough. So the disciples, again, they wanted to send people away to find food. But Jesus said, feed them. And again, the disciples are all worked up because they don't have enough to feed them. Five loaves and two fish. And uh, Jesus tried a different approach. He thanked God and it began to, mul to multiply. My, my pastor, Brother Francis, uh, I'll never forget this story. He was saved and he was in a little bitty town of Franklin, Louisiana. Does anyone know Franklin? A few people. We've got a few cages here. He was in Franklin, Louisiana. He got, he got married when he was like 18 years old. They had three kids right away. He's 23 years old, has three little babies. He's a butcher. And he's like, I don't know why, but they didn't pay butchers. They didn't pay butchers anything. And they're living like on $100 a month. And he got, he got him and his wife got saved. And his, uh, this guy that was discipling him said, Francis, you need to start tithing. And he, Brother Francis laughed at him. He laughed at him. He's like, it's not that I don't want to. It's that I can't. That's what he said. I, I can't. And he said, why can't you? He said, because there's nothing left. I got three babies to, you know, to feed. And so his mentor said this. He said, Francis, do you believe that God will bless you if you tithe? He said, yes, I do. Then you'll tithe. He's like, well, okay, I don't believe. <laughs> I don't believe. I don't believe. Um, he said this. I want you to start tithing, and if you're short, I'm going to give you money to make up for it. And uh, so he started tithing, and he didn't think about it. He just wrote, you know, wrote that whatever $10 check a month to the church. And, and uh, he hadn't really thought about it. He hadn't thought about what had happened. And so three months later, he's walking down the main road in Franklin, and the pharmacist, the guy that ran the, the pharmacy in Franklin at the time, he said, Francis, where are, you, where are you buying your drugs at? He said, what do you mean? He said, you were in every week getting medicine for your girls and all kind of stuff, and you haven't been in in three months. Where are you getting your medicine at? And it dawned on him. My kids haven't been sick. I haven't bought medicine in three months. We haven't gone to the doctor in three months. We haven't been short in three months. God multiplied what he had because the devourer was coming and taking him and robbing from him. And when you start trusting God with a tithe, he has no power to do that anymore. It began to multiply. So that, that leads us to our last point this morning. I'm still going to talk for a little bit. I'm not going to let you out that early, but give me 10 minutes. This is very important. This is very, very important. I, I, I assure you that these principles work if you'll use them. Please use them. I beg you to use them. You're all my friends. Please use these. Number three, multiplication requires for us to give God what we have. Multiplication requires us to give God what we have. God never asks us to give him what we don't have. I hear people saying that all the time. Well, pastor, if I made a lot of money, I would write a big check. Write a $10 check. 
I mean, God's not asking you to give what you don't have. He only asks us to give what we do have. And if what you have isn't enough, that's better reason to give it. I mean, think about it. If I don't have enough, I might as well give God what he deserves. I mean, I mean th- think, think about this with me. And, and I, I'm not trying to be trite when I say this. I'm not trying to make anyone, anyone feel bad. I just know the power of what happens. Multiplication can happen when we give God what we have. And, and it's in every area. If you're short on time, give God time. You're short on talent, give God the talents you have. Whatever area, multiplication can work in every area of your time. Your time, your talents, your resources, your family, your relationships. God can multiply everything. So this this is one of the stories that's in every one of the Gospels. Sometimes during one or two. The multiplication of the the feeding of the 5,000 men, it's in every Gospel. And, and, you know, John, just a little knowledge for you, Matthew, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic gospels because they're so much alike. And John is that gospel, it's the same stories, but a lot of times he gives so much more detail. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you uh, part of this story from John chapter 6. You can read it on, on its own. John gives us some details that were not given in the other stories. John says this, that they're discussing what to do and how to feed these people. And it says... A young boy walks up with five small barley loaves. The bread isn't identified. The other one's five small barley loaves and two small fish. This is amazing because um, notice the adjectives used. First of all, it's a a, a young boy. We know at at 13, a young Jewish boy is considered a man, so this boy is probably anywhere from 8 to 10 years old, a young young boy. And small loaves and small fish, what does that mean? It's not enough. It's not enough. This was a lunch for a small boy, and it's not enough to help. So, uh, you know, again, the thought is that the boy... Well, of course the boy gave away his lunch. He's not smart enough to know better. Think about it. I know what I have. That's why I'm not giving any of it away. You know, didn't didn't Jesus say that the little children are getting into heaven ahead of you? I mean, think about it. Yeah, he didn't know. He knew he'd go back home and and, and get a lunch, but he, he willingly... Gave his lunch. I'll, I'll put it another way. Have you ever gone to school and tried to get a lunch from a young boy? See, the ladies don't understand that. Boys don't give their food away. They eat theirs and then they're looking for what else is left, right? So, it, it, whichever road you take, whatever road you take, he, he gave it because he didn't know any better or he, or, or he you know. Uh, he gave it, and whatever the case is, the, the thought is that no, even if the boy gave this because it was five small loaves of barley and two small fish, it was insignificant to, to, to meet the needs. And um, the disciples go on to say, Jesus, he said, you give them something to eat. And it goes on to say, Jesus, it would take six months wages to give each person a bite, not fulfill, a bite. And, and, but Jesus already had in mind what he wanted to do. And so the disciples view the boy's gift as invaluable, but Jesus uses it as something that God can work with. Whatever you have, God can work with it. God, God can use it. So for the miracle of multiplication, you know, to, to, to take place in our lives, we have to change our perspective. See, when you look through when you look through faith, you're, you're like, man, I can give this to God and he can multiply it. If you look through fear, you say, I have to hold back because I don't even have enough anyway. And so multiplication requires faith. Fear causes us to, to withdraw and, and come in. I'll tell you a funny story. So many, many years ago, a long, long time ago, my dad started a church in San Marcos, and this is how he started the church. Um, he got filled with the Holy Spirit, so a certain church told him he could no longer work there. And so he was at his house. He didn't know what he was going to do, but he was so excited about what was going on in Jesus. And so people just started showing up at his door and saying, hey, we hear that you believe in miracles. My baby's sick. 
They started praying for people. People started getting healed. And that's how, he started, that's how they started the church. All these people that got healed and were hungry for the Lord, they all band together and started church. So one day, I mean, all these miracles were taking place. Great, incredible things were happening. So one day, somebody calls my dad, and they said, hey, Jim, we have this man in our house. My husband, he's not, the doctor said he's not going to make it to the night. You have to get here quick. We believe that God will heal him, but you got to get here before, before he dies. He's not going to make it in the morning. So my dad got his youth pastor at the time. That was Bobby Hill. Many of you know Bobby Hill. He's one of our church overseers. He said, Bobby, come on. They jumped in my dad's car, and they have to drive an hour. Bobby looks over at his gas gauge, and it's pegged out. He said, Jim, we need to stop and get gas. And my dad says, we don't have time for gas. But he said, Bobby kept looking over there. He said, Bobby, your lack of faith is killing the spirit right now. He said, give me something. He handed him a handkerchief, and my dad just shoved it in over the gas gauge. And they drove an hour and prayed for this person. And, and, and the guy, he didn't die. He, he lived for many more years. And so they're leaving, and they got in the car, and my dad's like, See what I'm talking about, Bobby? You just got to have faith and all. And my dad's going and Bobby's like, listen, Jim, please tell me we can stop at the corner store and get some gas before we drive home. I'm paying. I'm paying, right? Well, you know, and I don't suggest you work, you try that, okay? But what, I, what I'm saying is, my dad was like, man, we've got to get there. We've got to get there. And God multiplied his gas. He just multiplied. There wasn't enough gas, uh, you know, to get there. But think, think about all the things in your life. You know, th this church, the reason we have this land is because God multiplied our funds. Many of you know the story, and I'll give God all the credit, but we, we were in a daycare right up the road here. The day, kids are kids' daycare. And um, we, no, we were in the other daycare. I'm sorry. That was a long time ago. And uh, we, we were saving up money to buy, to buy land, and we had $20,000 saved up. I mean, we had like 40, 50 people. That was a lot of money. And we couldn't buy any, any land because we didn't have enough money. And one of our missionaries, Brother Adon, this guy is 87 years old, and he's still going out in the jungle starting churches. And so he comes. I have no idea what he's going to say. You know, he gets up there, and he starts speaking, and he's like, I have to tell you, it's just, I have to tell you God's vision for my life right now. He's like, I have found three pieces of land on the island of Roatan. I want to buy those three pieces of land, and I want to build three churches on the island of Roatan. And it's going to cost $20,000, and I don't know how you're going to do that. I don't know how I'm going to do it. But the Lord told me I'm going to do it this year. I'm sitting on the front row, right in front of him. And the Holy Spirit just, bing, 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 you'll have $20,000 in your account. I did what many of you do. La, 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 I can't hear you. People are going to think I have lost my absolute mind. I'm going to go to the, the church and the, our, our elders and say, you know, hey, we have $20,000, and uh, we're just going to give it away to Brother Don so he can build a church. And I'm sitting there the whole time. I didn't hear another word he said. I'm sure it was an inspiring message. And, you know, the Lord's like, hey, you have a choice. You have a choice. You sow into helping him fund his dream because you don't have enough for your dream. You help him with his dream, I'll help you with your dream. And, you know, we did that. We did that. And, and, uh, and he went and he bought three. He bought the land. If you go to Rotan, then we have three churches there that, that we paid for, built, and a run. Um, but here's the crazy thing is we'd been looking for land for over a year. Within six weeks, we found this land. I'll never forget, I had some realtors helping me, and they didn't have any faith. And I told them, hey, call the lady that owns that land. I want to see any, what it's about. And they're like, you can't afford it. That's what he told me. That made me mad. Don't tell me what I can afford. He didn't know what I have. <laughs> I mean, what, don't tell me what I don't or don't have. And so I, told, I leaned up and I told the guy, I said, I didn't, I didn't, ask if I could afford it, I told you to find out what she wants. And he called me two hours later, pastor, you're not going to believe it. <laughs> Apparently he went to one of these churches that didn't have faith. But anyway, that's a different story. <laughs> and he said, pastor, the land cost $800,000, but she wants 
a church to be on it. And so she's cut the price to 400000 20000 400000 So then I met with her, and her name was Mary Buring. Lord bless her. She's not here anymore. She's in heaven. But um, I said, Mary, I said, look, I'm not trying to negotiate. I'm not trying to be a businessman. But I'm just telling you, we have only started a couple years ago. We can't even get a loan from a bank. Would you self-finance it for us? And she said, you go to your people and you, you tell me what you can afford and you come back and tell me. And we did that. And she came when we had our grand opening ceremony in the other building. And she came up to me and she said, she's getting really old. I said, Terry, this is a nice building, but you need to build a bigger one. She said, see all that land out there? I want it full. Yes, Ms. Mary, we'll do that. Anyway, we didn't have what we wanted and God multiplied it. And so, see, we, we think, oh, God does that for other people. God wants to do it for you. For you. Quit living in fear. He wants to multiply what you have so you have enough for yourselves and so that you can be a blessing to others. I, 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 I clearly believe this. I clearly believe this. God has a lot of things he wants to do in these, in these end times. We're in the end times. God has a lot of things he, he wants to do, and I believe he truly wants to bless his children that he knows will be a blessing to the kingdom. Man, so, so let go. You don't own it anyway. Let go and, and, and let God start doing that. Um, so let me, let me finish up here real quick. The, the miracle of multiplication in our lives says this. You have a broken relationship and you're praying for a miracle, for something to change, for outside intervention, and the, the miracle of multiplication says that God can change you and he can multiply you. Well, we're struggling. I, I don't feel like I love her. God can multiply the love you have and make it overwhelming. Well, I just don't think I can forgive her. God will take the little bit of forgiveness you got and he'll multiply it so you can forgive. I just don't think that I can do it anymore. God can take the little bit of determination in you and he can make you. De I'm determined to work out my marriage. I'm determined to live for God. If, uh, you know, in the financial area, you know, uh, d let me say this. Do you know what Christians do the first time that they get tight on money? What's the first thing they do? Everyone knows that you don't want to say it. They stop tithing. The first thing people do, it gets a little bit, they don't consider, they don't consider, you know, uh, cutting cutting cable or they don't consider not going on vacation, the first thing they do when they have trouble is they quit tithing. That is the worst possible thing. And listen, I'm not trying to make anyone mad, but listen, I'm telling you, I know the blessings of that, you know? And so instead of doing that, say, God, if I give, I'm not going to have enough, but I'm trusting you to multiply it. Do you believe that God can multiply that for you? I believe that he can. And then even in our spiritual lives, you know, there's some people here today, without a question, there's some people here today and you even struggle come to church. You, don't, you haven't liked church in a long time. And you know what the problem is? The problem is in here. You're spiritually depleted. You've become critical. It's just a general statement. I'm not looking at anybody, okay? But it's possible for us to get away from reading our Bibles, away from prayer, away from fellowship, and our spiritual life is down here. We need it to be up here. But I'm telling you, if you have any spiritual life in you, God can multiply that into a raging fire. He'll do that for you. You may be here today and maybe you've never given your life to the Lord. And it ha a spiritual life hasn't been birthing you. That's, that's the gift for you today, salvation. You need Jesus today. Would you stand with me? Let's, let's sing. Lead us in a chorus and I'll come up and, and pray. Let me go ahead and have our prayer team come up this morning. Victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna see a victory. I'm gonna see a victory for the battle belongs to you, Lord. I'm gonna 
Lord, it's a good day, right? It's a good day. God, we, we just declare your greatness today, God. That you're the God of multiplication. You're the God who takes not enough and you make it more than enough. And God, I release that. The spirit of multiplication in this room today. God, I pray you're multiplying spiritual lives and finances. God, I just declare, Lord, you're taking our fear and you're turning it into faith. God, I pray you bless us as we leave here today. God, bless everything. Bless our careers. Bless our families, God. Bless our finances. Bless everything we put our hand to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, you're dismissed. If I could get some guys to help stack up these chairs, that would be great. Thank you so much.